Well, happy Father's Day. Thank you. Oh, we're going to be coming out of Ephesians today, the sixth chapter, a few verses as we uh, discuss Father's Day and its meaning and some of our ups and downs. You know, a, a small boy once said, Father's Day was just like Mother's Day, only the gifts didn't cost as much. So, <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you talk read much, but uh, Mark Twain had said, you know, he said when he was 14 years old, he said, I thought my father was the most ignorant man in the world. When I was 21, he says, I, I thought he was just brilliant. I was amazed at how much he had learned in seven years. So there was a, there was a book that was called uh, The World According to Dad, and it had some of those, those famous dad sayings, you know, that we all sometimes say or do, but uh, uh, some of these ring true with me, and, and some may ring true with you, but as our children were growing up, stating to them, bring back all the change. You know, I don't know if you remember, when I was little, there'd be change, and sometimes my grandpa, he'd let me keep it. How should I know? Ask your mother. You know I'm not made out of money. Are, you are going, and you will have fun. Who's paying the bills around here anyways? See, mine always always, can you shut the lights off when you leave a room? But uh, uh, if you break your leg, don't come running to me. Uh, get down there before you kill yourself. On second thought, go ahead. Uh, quit playing with your food. Be quiet. Can't you see I'm trying to think? Why? Because I said so. Just wait till you have kids of your own. And I'm enjoying that right now because that's my... <laughs> Got the grandkids, I get to sit back and smile. I was not asleep, I was just resting my eyes. You might have your own favorites or things that maybe your father or grandfather said in your life, but uh, being a parent or father can be uh, an interesting and, and trying event, to say the least, in life. You know, it's said that parents spend the first part uh, in raising their children in childhood, teaching them to walk and talk, and the second part, telling them to sit and be quiet. So we have that challenge in our life of, of raising these children, and, and what do we do, and how do we do it? And, you know, by the time we get through it all, we've sort of figured it out, but, you know, it's sort of this on-the-job training. They sort of plop you in there, and, and here you go. So um, we come to church to honor the Lord. Today we come to also... Uh, honor the fathers in our life and you know my father wasn't around when I was growing up but uh, God always provided um, men in my life and so I'm thankful for them when we come to Father's Day I do think of my father we got reconciled a little bit when I was uh, 20 and then I think he passed away when I was about 27 uh, of alcoholism but he wasn't really a part of my life growing up so I don't have those type of memories. When I think of Father's Day, and many times I think of the different men that God had placed in my life, and um, just the importance to them. And you know, the amazing thing is, is as parents, and we're going to share this because I, I sort of always like to give a disclaimer because we always talk about these attributes and and to be thankful for your father and to give your father uh, praise and and you know recognition for these things, but. You know, as believers, sometimes we sit back and just think, you know, in a lot of ways we've been failures at, at doing what we do, or we feel like we've been failures because we've fallen short in, in many areas. And so 
Um, what I always like to say is, you know, each day is a new day. There's lessons that we've learned. Um, my children were uh, a trial and error thing as they were growing up. And like I said, by the time you get to the end, you really see the things that are important that maybe you missed or some of the, the things, you know, again, that we shouldn't have done. And, and we see them sometimes come out in our kids, both the good attributes and sometimes the bad ones. Um, but today we want to remember the good things. It always amazes me, like when we think back, uh, for a lot of us anyways, we think about the good things. I think the uh, seven years or so that I had uh, with my father, even though we weren't up there a whole lot, I still have some fond memories. And I know there was a lot of garbage in, in my uh, childhood growing up. Um, but we tend to remember the good things, and hopefully that's what we're doing today. So I want us to think about some things uh, for which we should really say thank you to our dads if they're still around. And if not, just thank God the Father for these things that maybe your father has done. And I want to thank him for the, the material provisions in our life. We don't always think about that. Um, thank him for the faithful instruction that they've given us. And also thanks for the godly illustrations. So, again, some of us weren't raised in Christian homes. We may not have had all these things, but we still have gleaned things, I think, for from our parents and uh, from our fathers. So first, you know, for the material provisions, we don't always think about that, but I know in my life I tended to be a, uh, a sort of a workaholic. Um, I was working all the time, and when we were growing our kids up, um, Julie, uh, we had decided that Julie was going to raise the kids, stay at home, be a stay-at-home mother, and so there was times um, in my life where I had two or three jobs at a time, trying to make ends meet because I really felt that that was one of my callings to do as a father was to provide. I was raised in a broken home. I was raised in a uh, sort of a welfare home. And um, I just really wanted something better uh, for my kids. And again, as we talk about fathers and we talk about parents, I really believe that parents really try to do the best that they can with what they have. You know, and, and for the believing parent, it's something greater. It's something grander that we can uh, really aspire to. But the material provisions is an important part. A, a lot in the world today we see um, there's a lot of biological fathers out there, but they walk away from the responsibilities of, of raising their children, of taking care of their children, of, of even being a part of their life. And in that world where we see this happening and we wonder why things um, are degrading the way that they are, sometimes that can be the situation. It takes commitment to, uh, you know, not just to be uh, a, a biological father, but to be a dad, to be a daddy. And it's, it's a tough thing. So we want to think about them, how they provided for us. You know, 1 Timothy 5.8 tells us, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than a non-believer. You think about that, wow, that's pretty powerful. If a father does not provide materially, it says, for his family, then he's denied the faith of Christ. It says that he's worse than an unbeliever. And, you know, we would think, well, why would you say such a thing as that? And it's because even unbelievers provide for their families. So as a Christian, as a believer, we are called to provide for our children. So we need to remember and, and thank God that we had... We did a father or a figure in our life that provided for us materially as we grew. Now, 
the material isn't a substitution for the other things we're going to talk about, the next being that for faithful instruction, training our children, raising them up. You know, in the end of Matthew, it talks about the Great Commission, going out into all the world, uh, you know, and making disciples and teaching them and training them. We've talked about discipleship over the last few months and what that means. Well, we have a, a, a real mission field right in our home sometimes as we, as we raise our children. We have those children that are going to be sort of like our disciples. We are to have them, to train them, to teach them, to walk along with them. So many times we just think, well, we just tell them. We just point them in the direction to go, and that's good enough. No, that's not really what the Bible teaches. It teaches us to be faithful in the instruction, but to sometimes walk them through. A lot of times, going through those things with your children is an important thing. You know, Ephesians 6, 4, as was read today, said, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So we are to bring them up. We're not just to send them on their way. We're to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Another version would say this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So Proverbs would say what? Train a child in the way he should go, and when he was old, he shall not depart from it. The contemporary English version says this, Parents, do not be hard on your children. Raise them properly. Teach them and instruct them about the Lord. So the, the theme of that verse that we are reading in uh, Ephesians 6, 4 is to really instruct our children. Well, how do we instruct people? Well, it's to teach them. Sometimes that's hands-on. It's not just the words we say, but it's the things we do. We say sometimes I'd rather see a good sermon any day than hear one, right? So even in our life, you know, as parents, what uh, are we instructing our kids in? How are we showing them to live. So when it says don't be hard on your children, well, we have to discipline our children. The Bible tells us discipline is definitely a part of, of raising a child, but it's not an unfair hardness. It's not an exasperation of them. It's not to push them, you know, beyond their limits. There's a, a part of discipleship that says raising them properly, and when we raise them properly and we teach them about the Lord, they're going to learn how to respond to us. We would teach them 6.1, children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. right. So as we train them from a young child in the ways of the word, they know how they should be responding to things. So fathers instruct their, their children in many things <clears throat> as they're growing up. You know, we would instruct them, you know, I used to try to tell my kids, never be afraid to ask questions. Because questions are, are where you get what? Answers, right. So, you know, a lot of times we see parents today or people today, they don't want to hear anybody. They don't want to, you know, just, just sit there and be quiet. Children are to be seen and not heard. And we, we have this statement, one of our little uh, statements from father, uh, from the father was, uh, oh, what, what, what was that now? It just came to mind. Oh, it'll come back to my thought and mind moment here. You know, oh, sit down and be quiet. You know, we, we tell them that. We don't always want to give them the whys of things. Sometimes we tell them, you know, why? Because I said so. So sometimes our kids would ask us, you know, well, I want to go do this and I want to go do that. And, and, uh, and we'd say, no, we don't think so. How come? Well, because I said so. 
We don't like being questioned on it, but all that does is exasperate a child just to give that answer. Even though we have the authority, even though we have this, but to explain to them, well, I don't want you going there because of this. I think it's going to be a bad influence on you. It's, you know, you're going to be out too late and you got school in the morning. Whatever it is that you would explain to them. But when you explain it to them, they still may not agree with you, but you've given them a reason. And that's not exasperating. That's not, you know, pushing them beyond the limits. That's not embittering them towards our decisions. It's letting them know why we are making the choices we do. So, you know... They need to learn by asking the questions. And still today, you know, our children are grown. We still, you know, will answer questions. We still give advice. Sometimes they say, oh, my kids are out of the house. I don't stick my nose in their business anymore. Well, I don't see that in the Bible. The Bible says we're always parents. They're always children. Train your children in the way that they should go. And we forever continue to teach them. And then we get a new generation of grandchildren. Maybe we just get young nieces and nephews in our lives that we can train and talk to. God has given us this uh, responsibility to do these things. So answer the questions. I always say there's no such thing as a stupid question. You know, um, Ask the question, we find the answer. Sometimes we would say, uh, I don't care if everybody else is doing it. You're not going to. And you know, the reason being, you know, sometimes peer pressure is big. And we want our kids to fit in, and we want our kids to be popular, and we want our kids to, to be liked and to, to be, you know, like every other kid. Well, do we really? You know, in the world today, there's a lot of things that are going wrong, and it starts with the generations. And so sometimes we got to say, I don't care if everybody has that type of clothing. I don't care if everybody is going and doing this. I don't care about that. You're not going to. Because that's part of the responsibility of training a child up. That's part of the responsibility of raising a, a child. Is to keep them from harm's way. To guide them in those paths. Now as children grow, grow up, you know, you give them more liberties and, and more freedoms. And that's fine because we also want them, part of the training process of a child is, is to let them make some mistakes. And to learn to rebound from those mistakes. Because guess what? We're on this journey called life that we're going to make mistakes our whole life. As we continue down that road, we're going to continue to fall and fail and fall short of the glory of God. But that's part of the raising. So we give them all kinds of instructions as fathers. And uh, even though my father wasn't in the picture, I had these godly men that would give me advice on different things as I was growing up. We would talk about school. You know, there was times I really just didn't like school. Uh, but I had one man that he used to always encourage me, you know, you get into school, you learn those things, because those are going to be with you the rest of your life. There were those men that gave me good work ethic, you know. Like I said, I actually became sort of a workaholic in my life. But they taught me to be a man of my word, that if I was going to do something, do it right and do it good. And so we, we instruct them into how to work. You know, don't be a fair-weathered uh, employee. I know at the prison right now they have just such a hard time hiring these officers because they come and they come into jobs saying, well, I want my weekends off and, well, you know, the rodeo is up in Stanley this weekend, so I'm going to call in sick. And they don't, you know, they don't use sick days for being sick. And that's sort of an ongoing joke in the state system is, you know, I don't use my sick days when I'm sick. I'll come to work if I'm sick. I want them when it's nice outside. They have that wrong work ethic. 
Have you had somebody that has taught you that good work ethic? Relationships. How do you treat your friends? How do you treat other people? You know, we, we as fathers, need to teach our children those things. Dating. You know, all those things. that are The birds and the bees. It's all part of something that we want to train or instruct our children about. And it's all in the Bible. The principles are all there in God's word. You know, there was a, a baseball analogy of a man that was uh, growing up. And when he was young, he was a good ball player. He had a lot of talent, very good at what he was doing. Ended up getting married and, and uh, never really got to pursue his dreams. He wanted to try to go further, but he ended up getting married and having kids. And, and we know that that ball gets rolling and then we're into work and we're into life and we're into things. And before we know it, we're, we're too old to be doing some of those things that we thought that maybe we wanted to do when we were younger. And which was fine. And, and so he was going on with life and he finally had his, his uh, son and his son grew up, and his son was very good in baseball also. And he thought, oh, you know, sometimes parents like to live out their dreams or their fantasies through their children. Well, the boy was very good in baseball, and, and he could see a lot of talent in his son, and it's sort of a, like a chip off the old block. It reminded him of himself when he was young. And he thought, you know, with a little bit of critiquing, a little bit of a training, you know, this boy could really go far. And he wanted to help his son accomplish all these things. So after every game, after every practice, as they were going home, dad would critique him and say, you know, if, if you'd learn to like drop your shoulder on this pitch, if you keep your eye on this, you'll be able to tell if it's going to be a curveball or a fastball. And if you, if you position yourself here as the ball's coming. And finally, the, the son said one day on the way home, he said, dad, could you not start by telling me everything that I've done wrong? Could you start by telling me something I've done right? Sometimes we become blind to those things in our life. You know, and we mean good. This father, I think, he meant very well. He just wanted his child to be so good. But we need to understand that the Bible teaches us to edify, to admonish, to instruct, to train up those things. Even in the book of Revelation, uh, for most of the churches there, when the Lord is addressing them, he starts out by stating something positive by stating something good that is going on and then once that defense shield is down then we can say but this or as the Lord would say this one thing I have against you I find that God really does that in our own personal lives as I read scripture a lot of times I'm encouraged by things and then all of a sudden I'll come across something where the Lord convicts me about something so the question is are you a coach or are you a critic even in the real world, dads and fathers and, and men here today, are you a coach for the, the body of Christ as an ambassador of Christ, or are you a critic? Are you finding fault with everything around you, or are you trying to build up the good that is in a person? In Ephesians 6.4, Paul said, keep out, another paraphrase of it was, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children and making them angry and resentful. See, sometimes we'll do that. If, if all we ever do is find the negative, and you haven't done this right, and, you know, what are you, dumb? You can't figure this out? And, and we start getting them angry. We start getting them resentful in their lives. God hasn't called us to do that. There was a letter that a, a man wrote, and he was saved later in life. And this is a, a part of, uh, of his testimony or his confession. And it's rather sad when we look at it. But it says this, he says, 
I took my children to school, but not to church. I taught them to drink, but not of the living water. I enrolled them in Little League, but not in Sunday school. I showed them how to fish, but not how to be fishers of men. I made the Lord's Day a holiday rather than a holy day. I taught them that church was full of hypocrites and made the greatest hypocrites of them and me. I gave them a color TV, but provided no Bible. I handed them the keys to the car, but did not give them the keys to the kingdom of God. I taught them how to make a living, but failed to bring them to Christ, who alone can make a life. We don't want to make that mistake in our life. Many times we've maybe started down that path, or many times maybe we feel that's even where we've been. But God gives us a new day each day. So even if you feel like you failed at some point, today is a new day. We never stop instructing uh, the children in our life or the people in our life. We never stop wanting to be an example to those who are around us. And so in my life, you know, I can think of a lot of things that I've done uh, that were wrong. And I could just throw on the towel and say it's no good. But God has given us a new day. So we need to really thank uh, the Father for the faithful instruction that he has given us in our life. I really believe in the most part that most parents are doing the best that they can with what they have. And so we need to honor them for that. Um, it also tells us in the, in the scriptures to honor your mother and father. And it's, it's really uh, the, the first commandment that has a promise that all may be well with you, that you may live a long life. And so we want to honor them for what they do. Again, I can look at my parents and I could find a, a, a whole boatload of, of faults and bad things that were going on in their life. Um, but it's amazing how we can remember the good thoughts and the good memories. Thanks for the godly illustration. Thirdly, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said this to the Corinthians, and, and he really considered them his children in faith. He said this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so notice that Paul didn't say, do everything I do. But he said, do everything I do, which is Christ-like. So in our lives, we need to also tell those that are watching us those things. Listen, if your eyes are upon me, you're going to see me make a lot of mistakes. You're gonna, I'm going to let you down somewhere along the line. I'm going to fail the expectation that is there. Don't follow that. Follow the things that I do right. Follow the things that are Christ-like that I am doing. So that's what Paul was saying. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And isn't that what we should all be doing? Having our eyes fixed upon Jesus and walking in his ways, that he might transform and renew our mind in the things of, of life that are important. It is God that changes the heart. It is God that changes our priorities. It is God that brings meaning to life. Otherwise, we live and die, and we're gone. You know, I've done things in life that I don't want my children to do, and I try to share with them those things. There's lessons of life that we learn along the path, and, and once we get to this age, we look back and, and don't want our children to make those same mistakes. You know, and they, but they say, well, Dad did it. You know, Mom did it. Well, today is a new day, and we need to humble ourselves sometimes as parents and just say, you know, yes, I did those things. I made those mistakes. I don't want you to repeat those things because here's the consequence of what I did. You know, and it can be heart, heartache. It can be, you know, problems with the law. It can be, 
you know, whatever it is, um, academic things that, that have gone astray. It can be relationships that have been broken. So we have those things, but we humble ourselves and we apologize and say, you know, but follow the things. Because in each of our lives, if you're sitting here today as a Christian, you've done things that are a great example for your children and a great example to others. And we should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me in the Christ-like things I do. Not in my failures, not in my, my misappropriations of, of priorities and things in my life. But follow the good things in my life. Glean from those things. So we thank our God for all the fathers that have been godly um, illustrations in our life. Examples in our life. And for those of you that have uh, or have had a Christian father, thank God for them. I mean, if they're alive, thank them for it. If they're not, thank God that you had this. Um, there's a letter to Dad I wanted to share before we close. And it, it said this. There are so many things I'd like to tell you face to face. I either lack the words or fail to find the time and place. But in this special letter, Dad, you'll find, at least in part, the feelings that the passing years have left within my heart, the memories of my childhood days and all that you have done to make our home a happy place and growing up such fun. I still recall the walks we took, the games we often played, those confidential chats and while resting in the shade. This letter comes to thank you and for needed words of praise, the counsel and guidance too that shaped my grown-up days. No words of mine can tell you, Dad, the things I really feel, but you must know my love for you is lasting, warm, and real. You've made my world a better place, and through the coming years, I'll keep these memories of you as cherished souvenirs. The child sees good things in a father's life. And sometimes we stand back and we say, well, we're not worthy. We don't feel worthy of, of the honor of praise. We don't feel worthy of recognition because sometimes as believers we really recognize our shortcomings and our failings. But in the child's eyes, they see the good for most of, of the things in our lives. And so always be that example. And even if you were a late bloomer, came to Christ late in life and and made all those dumb mistakes, as the first letter said early on, today is the day. Today is the day that we start afresh and, and we can be that example and we can train and instruct our children and, and make God a priority in the things that we do. And if you, you know, again, eyes are upon us all the time as ambassadors for Christ. And as we live for him, we can be those examples. Are you being a man of God? Are you being a man of his word? Are you being... A man that when people look at you say, there's the character that I desire to have in my life. As fathers here today, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for providing for your families. A lot of times that goes unrecognized. I want to thank you for that because there's a lot of them that don't. I want to thank you again for the instruction that you've given your children. Again, train your child in the way he should go, the Bible tells us. And then also for the illustration, for the example that we have by them just watching. I want to thank each and every one of you. I want to bless you for a, a happy Father's Day. And um, just really pray, pray as you go through this day that God will give you the fond memories that you need in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for your scripture, Lord, that speaks to fathers. The Bible tells us honor 
your father and your mother. And so we do that, Lord. We remember our fathers this special day. Lord, even though sometimes our fathers fell short, the word still commands us to honor them. And so, Lord, we do. We lift them up to you. And, Lord, just thank you for them. And if we are a father ourselves, Lord, we pray for wisdom and guidance for those that look up to us. Lord, and just as men, Lord, we just pray that, again, we would be the men of God that you have called us to be. As I stated, my father was not around, but God put different men in my life. And I'm thankful for them. And we never know whose life that we may touch as a man of God. So help us to be consistent in our walk. Help us to be bold in our profession. Help us to keep our eyes fixated upon you. Lord, we just ask that each one here would have a special day in the Lord and a special day with family and friends. And we are so glad that we are gathered together here today. So Lord, be with us now as we go our way. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.